Welcome to We Need to Talk, conversations on wellness to inspire, relate and enlighten. Now, here's your host, Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host, Tony Street. Welcome to the We Need to Talk Wellness podcast. This one is for anyone who is eager for inspiration. Do you ever look at others and think, how are they doing it? What is their secret? I would love to know. What do they do that makes their lives better? I have three kids, a job that means getting up at 4am and an autoimmune disease that I would love to keep in remission. Our focus today is on exercise. Many of you, like me, will have a love-hate relationship with it, or maybe you've never liked fitness, even though you know it is something you should be doing for your health. That relationship with exercise can change over the course of your life. Were you a sporty kid? Did your parents promote exercise when you were young? Or is it something you've only just discovered as an adult? Our guest today has had to totally rethink how and why he exercises. In 2011, a school rugby accident left him a tetraplegic. Fast forward 10 and a half years and he's captain to the Wheel Blacks at the Paralympics. He got married late last year and has just announced... He's expecting his first child with his wife, Jess. Cody Everson, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to man, be here. Man, you have packed a lot in, in in the last year. Can you just go through it for us? Because far out, you do things quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. I met, I met Jess about four years ago and um, she got really into the wheelchair rugby scene with me. So it was really good that we could travel together and do all these awesome things and see the world. And then as time went on, we started going, you know, what, what's going to happen in our, in our own personal life. And, um, with COVID happening, um, we started talking about families and, um, and marriage and what's next. And then, yeah, with the Paralympics getting postponed, um, the following year, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I've got to propose. I proposed, and and we actually won a wedding. Um, wow, was that and, was that everything sort of taken care of? Yeah, so everything we epic. Still, we still had to put in a bit of money, um, but the majority of everything was all covered. So it was it was just a no brainer for us. But the only problem was it was a month after the Paralympics um, where we had to get married. So we did two weeks isolation and then two weeks later we got married so yeah there was there was no missing about what were those two weeks like after getting out of iso were they pretty full-on yeah they were they were pretty full-on we um I, I think it was like doing the miq was quite stressful for us so we've got two little dogs and one of our dogs was quite unwell oh. so trying to plan a wedding um well not necessarily we had a wedding planner which which Oh, Lucy from Christchurch Weddings was amazing. She'd done everything, but still like that stress of being in isolation and then getting out and feel like you've got to play catch up. Um, but but wouldn't have it any other way. Um, especially, yeah, when you look back on it, it's like far out. That was pretty epic what we did. And I might have stalked and had a wee look at the photos and they looked beautiful on Instagram. You mentioned you two fur babies there and I know they are very precious to you, but you have a human baby now on the way. Congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you. I know. I know. It's just, it's all happening. Um, We're super excited and we just found out that it's a little boy. So we're going to have a mini me running around. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. It's something we've both really wanted and uh, we just can't wait to start like our next adventure together with a with a little boy um, rolling along with us. Yeah. Oh gosh, you're on such a journey. Did you, do you think this was all possible after what happened to you back in 2011? 
Yeah, I guess like I'll I'll talk about what what actually happened to me. And um for me, you know, I was I was 15 and I thought I was invincible. I think every young 15-year-old boy does. So playing rugby and things like that, I never really knew that things like this could happen. And I remember the day um well super clearly I remember getting there and we were playing at Christ College and it was literally the first two minutes of the game I remember they kicked the ball and I caught it and I thought I seen a gap and I called for the ball they passed it to me and the guy tackled me from behind and I just remember hitting the ground and lying there and I was trying to get up and nothing was happening and I was really confused what was going on and then I started trying to yell for help and I, I couldn't yell um, nothing was coming out and I could feel parts of my legs getting like kicked um, and rucked and I, I couldn't do anything. And then the managers come out and they said, you know, I started touching my legs. Can you feel that? And I'm like, I, I can't feel a thing. And they were really quick um, and they got someone to hold my neck straight away, um, called the ambulance and yeah, things started settling in there. Like, I don't know if you've ever had pins and needles before, but I had that literally from my forehead to my toes. Like, my whole body was tingling. It was just, it was such a confusing time. Um, Were you in a state of panic, not being able to speak or feel anything? I mean, what was running through your head? I think I was kind of a bit in denial um, still. Like, I, I wasn't, I still didn't really know what was going on. Um, I thought that I was going to get back up. And yeah. I remember when the ambulance arrived, we were about two minutes from the hospital. Um, I got in the ambulance and I said to my coach, you know, I'll be back. And I genuinely <laughs> thought I'll be back. Back to play again? Um, oh my yeah, gosh. Play again. Yeah, yeah. And that ride to the hospital, because it was 2011, we just have the earthquakes. So yeah. the roads were still a little bit damaged. Um, and what was meant to be a five minute drive to the hospital felt like forever. Um, and I remember getting into hospital and my mum and dad were waiting already and there were about 12 doctors surrounding the bed. And I think then I knew that something was wrong, but one, one thing I'm like in a way forever thankful for was that was my mum's first time coming to watch me play, um, for first 15. And she'd always said to me, I think you're too young. Like these guys are going to be a lot bigger than you. So she dropped me off and she said, I'll, I'll be back. Um, and she actually missed um, the start of the game, so she didn't see me get injured. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty thankful that she wasn't there in person because I think that would have been tough on her. You're listening to We Need to Talk conversations on wellness to inspire, relate, and enlighten. Hosted by Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host Tony Street. So from from being the active teenager that you were to becoming a tetraplegic overnight, that must have been a massive shift for you both physically and mentally yeah oh it's it's um something that I'll never be able to properly describe what I went through um it was yeah like when you when you're in ICU you still don't really like for the first two and a half three weeks I still didn't actually know that I was never going to walk again Um, did people say that to you or were they just holding out hope at that point it was, I was in ICU, so I wasn't actually, I hadn't been transferred to the spinal unit. Um, so when I finally got out of ICU, I hadn't seen daylight in so long. And I remember getting in the ambulance and I was so excited to be transferred to a new hospital. And I remember getting to the spinal unit 
going through those doors and seeing all these wheelchairs. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I didn't really think much of it. That's a 15 year old for you, right? Like you yeah. are, you're very yeah. blissfully, you know, unaware. Yeah. And then, and then I get into my room, um, doctor comes in. Yeah. You're probably never going to walk again. Wow. And it's like, righto, like I'll, I'll prove you wrong. Um, and that was, that was my mindset. It was like, okay, that's, that's not going to happen. I am going to walk. And as time went on, that did fade away, but my motivation to get stronger and get better was, was more important because I'd, you know, I was pretty much a baby, but fully aware that I was a baby. Like I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't shower myself. I couldn't dress myself. So walking right now wasn't the main priority. It was being able to do these other things, like just like brushing my teeth. Um, that was, that was the priority. It's hard for me. I mean, I look at you and you're so positive and I know from looking at your Instagram and hearing you uh, speak before, you've got this great attitude and I'm trying to picture myself as a 15 year old and that happening and the devastation. And it sounds to me like you were pretty positive from the outset. Is that right? Yeah. I Like it's, yeah, I had, I was I'm extremely grateful that I got to do my rehab at the Spartan unit in Christchurch where I had family, I had friends. And I can honestly say the six months that I spent in um, the Spartan unit, my family and friends didn't miss one day of me being in there. So they were always there um, to support me. And I think that's what really helped me because I didn't really have time to be by myself and, and think about it all. It was kind of like, go to the gym, do the things in the morning. And then the guys would come after school and spend almost the whole evening with me. So I still felt a little bit normal, like I wasn't secluded. Um, and I think that's what got me through, got me through the um, the initial sort of part of it. Yeah. 10 years later, what would you say was the toughest sort of time for you? The toughest time for me was leaving the hospital and you're in this little safety safety net you've got nurses you've got all these people around you and then I'm going home and I'm not going to have that anymore and I remember getting home and I I that's when the normality and things like that I didn't I didn't feel like I could do all the stuff that my friends were doing like going to school and things like that and when school got a bit tough for me I found myself staying home and I was alone because everyone else was doing things mm. I couldn't you know, I couldn't drive myself anywhere. I had to rely on people to do things for me. And I think that's when I felt the most lonely because I'd be sitting at home in the lounge, just watching TV. And I think that's why wheelchair rugby was a, was a big gateway for me because I met other people in wheelchairs. Um, and I had, I had a newfound, a newfound love in a way where I could go play wheelchair rugby. I I had something to get up for and train for and things. So yeah, I'm super grateful that that was um, a gateway for me to, to get to me to where I am now, really. So tell me about that transition. So you go from being the super sporty 15 year old nailing rugby, your first 15 to suddenly finding yourself in a wheelchair. How does your, how do you then train when you're in a wheelchair like you are? Like what, what, what did you do? Yeah, it was, um, I remember one of my first ever wheelchair rugby trainings going there and I went from being like a back, like a winger scoring tries, being one of the fastest guys on the team 
And I got to wheelchair rugby and I was literally the slowest guy there. Like you picture me going from a winger to a prop, like some props are fast. So no disrespect to you guys, but. Hey, you was, don't look uh, like a prop, must I, I must say. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But in, in wheelchair rugby terms, like I am, I'm a defender, like I'm I'm a lower, lower functioning player. So that was one of the toughest things to get my head around. It was like, oh my God, I'm the, one of the slowest guys out here. So, but it was, it was also a motivation as well for me. It was like, okay, I want to get better. I want to get better. I want to get faster. Um, and I want to do all the right things to get there. And um, that was, that was my mindset was just celebrate the small things um, and take it day by day. And if you do something that's a simple task, but just celebrate it, be happy with that and, and keep trying. That's a big mentality for me was, don't let what you can't do affect what you can do. Um, yes, I, I like your inspirational quotes. I actually wrote that one down and I've got another one here. You never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. And I, I really like that. And I think that sort of says a lot about you. And you also said, or you put this on your Instagram, out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls, the most massive characters are seared with scars. Did you did you have to remind yourself of that? when you, I'm sure you had days where you just were probably angry that you didn't have the use of your legs anymore yeah there's definitely days where I still I still get a bit down about things like being in a being in a wheelchair isn't just your legs not working there's so much there's so much more to it you know your bladder your bowel are affected um yeah and you've got the worry of pressure areas and things like that and it's it is tough and I think some of the toughest things is you know, when your friends are going away and doing things or or there's something that you can't do physically because of your disability, like it does get you down. Um, and it's it does suck, but I think you just have to give yourself that moment and be like, okay, I'm going to be down for a bit, but I'm not going to be down all the time. Like I'm just going to try and move on. And that's a big mentality for me is, is just, you know, give myself a moment, but just move on from it. Um, and it, it's worked for me. This is We Need to Talk. If you're enjoying this podcast, click to share with family or friends. How much of a part has that training and exercise? And I know you've got the goal with the, the wheel blacks, but how, how much of a part has that played for your mental health to have that training as an aspect of your life? It's training for me is a, a massive, um, a massive benefit for my for my well being. I was actually talking to Jess about this the other day. Um, since getting back from the Paralympics, there hasn't been a whole lot of wheelchair rugby, and since my accident, I've always had wheelchair rugby. Like I've never really taken a break. I've always travelled. I've always played. And since getting back, like I've I've put my focus into getting married, like having a like wanting to start a family, and it's been really nice to not have wheelchair rugby yeah but I did find myself when I when I wasn't training and things I, I felt yuck in a way like I felt like I, I felt lazy I felt like I wasn't doing anything and and then I was talking to Jess and it was kind of like exercise is my kind of gateway it's my it, it makes me feel better um, and it's something that I really enjoy doing so yeah, it, it's it's massive for me, just getting outside and, and doing something, going for a push. Um, I'd love some more accessible tracks around New Zealand or things like that. So I can, you know, you know, your Instagram posts everyone in the mountains and things like that. And I'm at, I'm at Hagley Park. So 
yeah, it would be cool to do a few more day trips and, and things. Um, but yeah, exercise is, is big for me. I, I love doing it. So, so what do you do? So you say you go for a push, which for most people was going for a walk or a run. And what about when you hit the gym? What is a, what is a gym workout look like for you? Oh, when I hit the gym, I lift big. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> hey, you're a prop these days. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's all, it's all um, you know, arm strength based. So doing a lot of push motions, a lot of like shoulder press sort of stuff. It's um, in wheelchair rugby. Like I do a lot of stuff in my rugby chair because that's where I spend most of my, you know, I, tr- I play in a rugby chair, so I might as well train in one too. But it's, a, it's super similar to what anyone else does at the gym, just maybe a little bit more specific to someone in a wheelchair. But I do a whole range of things like you've got the rowers that you can use in a wheelchair now you've got hand grinders um ski ergs so yeah the the adaptive um world is getting a whole lot better and um I love trying new things as well and I've got an awesome trainer um who who's been so good to me the last five years who does help me a lot so yeah. Do you have days where, um, you know, you, you just can't be bothered with the training and, and what do you sort of tell yourself or how do you get yourself motivated to, to get out there? Yeah, definitely, definitely have days where, where I don't really feel like training and, or I don't want to go out or I've had like a bit of a bad morning. So, um, things aren't really going well in that department. And it's like, I think I just think about, my goals and it's only an hour a day that you know I've got to take out and I know that I'll feel better afterwards so um it's just it's just bringing you know talking about that to yourself in a way and just being like you know it's only an hour so it's all good and also um because I need a lot of help when I am training I've got that accountability that I've got someone there waiting for me so yeah, catching up with um, catching up with them and and them giving you that drive to to want to train is also really good. So I've always got someone to hold me accountable in a way, even though they won't. But um, I'll put it on me to to make sure I'm there. You'll feel bad if they turn up and you're not there. Yeah. For other coast podcasts with Tony Street, check out Off the Coast or the daily Feel Good Breakfast Catch Up podcasts. Now back to We Need to Talk. So for you, you've got a massive year ahead. Well, what have you got in the sports department? I know you've got your baby boy coming, which is very exciting. And um, what else is happening? Yeah, so it's it's so tough with COVID. Like you just you just don't know. And I, I it's such um everyone's over talking about it, but it is still there, unfortunately. So We've just had another, uh, our first tournament in, in New Zealand postponed, which is mm. a real shame. And right now we're talking about Wheel Black Camps. So hopefully we can get one of those happening. There's Worlds in Denmark in October, I believe. So that's a that's a potential. But I think this is a good opportunity for me to, to put family first. And, you know, with, with um, a wee baby boy coming along, I want to be there for everything. Um, so, yeah, wheelchair rugby is, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with traveling and, and that side of things. So I'm just going to continue doing my own training um, and, and yeah, go from there, really. This is a bit of a delicate question and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but, you know, you injured yourself very badly playing rugby. Um 
and I, I'm in that rugby world too. I've got two daughters that play ripper rugby. I actually snapped my leg badly playing myself, but it, it didn't make me not let my kids play. And yours was very serious. You've got a baby boy coming. Do you think one day if he wants to play rugby, you'll be cool with that? Or are you totally against it? I've actually had a few conversations about this and this was before I knew I was having a boy. Um, and I was like, yep, no, nah, I don't care. They can play, they can do what they want. Um, and I, I honestly, I feel like when that conversation comes, it could be a different story, but the game is a lot safer now. Like they've got so many more measures in place to keep you safe. So that does make me feel a whole lot better. And I think um, I'll, I'll let them do do whatever. But yeah, definitely, I'm going to push them to the dancing side. Or, or <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think right now I'm a I'm a total yes. Um, but but yeah, I I'm not a parent just yet, so I couldn't tell you exactly how I'll feel about it in another eight years time. So yeah, wait till you've got that gorgeous boy in your arms, and you don't want yeah. anything to hurt them. But <laughs> it does change. And then by eight, I think you're pushing them out the door because you're over them. <laughs> um, just just lastly, I know there will be people listening to this that have been in a similar situation to you, and you are very inspiring because you have had this incredible attitude. You've managed to tick off a lot of things that perhaps when you first have the accident, you might think, am I going to be able to have kids? Am I going to be able to play elite sport again? And you've done all of that. So, so what would be your advice? I think my advice to people that are struggling is everyone's got their issues. Like everyone goes through something, no matter how small or how big. And there, you know, people deal with things different ways. And I found that being open about it and giving yourself a moment as well is is okay um, to be a little bit down. Like I'm sure everyone says it, but it's okay not to be okay. Um, but you know, find find that passion or give yourself that motivation or find that hobby to to go and do something and it does it really does make you feel better as as being around people that that support you and also finding that little gateway to to get out and do exercise or, or whatever makes you happy is just give yourself a moment but just you know you've got to try and move on from that and um and do what you enjoy really so yeah, don't let what you can't do affect what you can do. I love I love that so much. It's- There's the quote. I love it. I love it. Cody, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and all the very best with your little boy. I cannot wait to see those pics. I'm sure he'll be gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Isn't Cody Everson such a magnificent example of, I think, how most of us would really hope we would react if such an unthinkable life-changing injury happened to us or to someone close to us? And he's given us quite a few gems of inspiration today. Let's have a recap. So firstly, you can have a wonderful life, even if it's not exactly the way you thought your life would pan out. A positive mindset is crucial to getting what you want in life. And for Cody, he finds having mantras really works for him. Finding that mantra that rings true for you, that you can hold on to in times of uncertainty, can clearly be such a powerful tool. Cody also reminded us how important the people around us are to our success. He only has cheerleaders around him. Weeding out the people who don't serve us can make all the difference to our success. 
You've been listening to the We Need to Talk Wellness podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and we'll catch you next time. We Need to Talk, hosted by Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host, Tony Street. If you enjoy the podcast, click to share with family or friends. To get in touch, email we need to talk at coastonline.co.nz.